0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six
1: on 630 Chad. Four and a half minutes left in the first period. let still looking for the first goal between the Canadians and the Jets. Montreal up one, nothing in the series. Later on tonight, this one doesn't start until eight o'clock mountain time. Avalanche and Golden Knights in Vegas for game three. Avalanche lead the series two games to nothing. The Blue Jays at home so to speak, in Buffalo, taking on the Astros. It's in the bottom of the fourth, and the Astros leading that one one nothing. You know, that whole Astros thing from a couple of years ago, it's one of those things where I think that actually happened in my lifetime. That just happened, that they had this science-dealing system and they were banging on garbage cans to tip off pitches. That sounds like a story you'd read it as, as a kid, and it would be, oh, yeah, it happened in, like, 1932 it happened like just in the last couple of years anyway thanks a lot for tuning in tonight it is inside sports on oilers and elks radio 630 ched you can get in touch on the hotline presented by certain teed professional grade building materials it's 780-496-0063 you can follow me on twitter at Reed wilkins r-e-i-d-w-i-l-k-i-n-s and you can email inside sports at 630 ched.com for those of you who do follow me on twitter You have gotten a glimpse into my wardrobe for inside sports. And we'll just leave it at that. All right. I am pleased to welcome back to the show a gentleman I used to run into at Rogers Place quite frequently when he was calling games on Hockey Night in Canada. And Rogers, he's now the play-by-play voice for the Tampa Bay Lightning.
0: It's our buddy Dave Randorf on the line. Hey, Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Reid. Everything's good down here in Tampa Bay, and uh, thankfully, we still have hockey to watch, and uh, that's not a shot, I feel, badly for Oilers fans, the way things uh, kind of came to a sudden stop, but uh, uh, down here, they're, they're still looking like they could go for a little while, so it's kind of fun to be around.
1: Well, I know you were taking a shot at the Oilers or the fans because you were kind of an honorary member of Oil Country because you wound up doing a lot of games over the years. And you were the voice in in 2017, right? uh, I mean, you called David DeHarnay's overtime winner. You were there calling the games when they ended that decade of darkness. I I still remember that first game (laughs) against the Sharks, the Let's Go Oilers chant before the warm up with just Uh a few hundred fans in the stands. So, you know, you know all about it. You called some big games in the city
0: yeah uh yeah thanks so i i do and i know all about it and i did and those were very very special uh games that i called i remember uh you know that that first win that they'd waited for what was it, 11 years uh i'd have to check all my notes but it was a long time they waited for a playoff win on a home ice and uh i, I remember that night very well i remember the david Darnay overtime goal against the sharks and uh man it was the roar and the just the orange scene mob scene that was there and of course our our you know commentary position and and and, uh the rink there is down low you feel like you're right in the middle of the crowd so it was special and just thinking about those moments brings back some some awesome memories walking to and from the rink too after games and but you know what i also really enjoyed uh saturday nights there i really enjoyed the saturday night vibe there it's it's something special about uh doing a game in a a canadian hockey city certainly on a saturday and, and uh I remember filing it. I used to actually, I think I told you this, when I would walk back after doing a game on a Saturday, I would put on my headset and listen to you and Rob Brown on my way back to the hotel and <laughs> all the time and really find out what was going on what everybody thought of the game. So uh, uh, those are special memories indeed. And and I, I hope they're remembered as fondly, half as fondly as I remember them.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So I don't want to get to the lightning here, but uh, you know, I, I always find it interesting how one one thing leads to the next and and, I mean now you're in Tampa which is about I guess as far from your because you're you're a Vancouver guy like originally
0: originally if we want to go way back right that's true yeah I I, uh my I grew up and got my first job in the business in Vancouver uh born in Toronto then you know grew up in Vancouver and then and then uh, lived in Toronto for the, the last 20 years up until now yes
1: yeah so what was so what what got you into it in uh in vancouver like were you i i i don't know like was it was it always hockey were you doing
0: high school sports like where, where did it start for you there oh but where did it start i mean i didn't i had no intention to be a sportscaster i had no intention to be doing what i'm doing uh i wanted to be a dj i wanted to be a rock radio dj i thought that's what i wanted to do i love the radio hence my comment that i just made about listening to you which i still do by the way and still dial you guys up every once in a while to find out what's going on out there <laughs> and uh, I loved listening to the radio, and always loved music too. And that was my initial direction to land at broadcasting school. And um, I remember they had the the local rock station there, Sea Fox, which is still going strong, thank goodness. Um, they had this uh, amateur radio hour on Sunday nights, and uh, they said, "You come up with a theme, and and you know, and and you know, pitch it to us, and you might end up on doing a show." And I remember I was in grade twelve. Uh, in high school, and I got picked to be on the Fox for an hour on Sunday, I think it was from seven to eight, and this is the biggest thrill of my life, and yes, I did all the PA announcements high school, I, I PA'd and announced all the all the sporting events there, and all that kind of stuff, and uh, just loved that whole thought of, uh, you know, talking into a microphone, but I, I didn't intend it to be sports, but uh, after I went to Toronto to go to Ryerson and uh, take radio and television arts, I quickly found myself uh, getting a a part-time job in the TSN newsroom and back then TSN had been on like a year so uh, we were thrown into a whole bunch of different situations that uh, we would never get thrown into now with our level of experience we had back then but that exposed me you know to you know the sports media and sports tv thing and that's when I started to shift my my focus and it kind of all kind of started from there but i got my first big break uh you know yeah working in the tsn newsroom for what was called sports desk back then
1: okay so i want to ask you this because you've before you went to 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 tampa for this season you've already got hundreds if not thousands of nhl games under your belt and i know from earlier in my career it's like well you got to have a good tape you gotta or assume now it's an audio file you email right so uh i mean I've, I, I know you probably can't tell me everything about getting the job but think w- when you've already done nhl games do you still got to send like that demo reel or are the lightning kind of like okay dave like we we already know your stuff we just got to pick if you're our favorite like you know what i
0: mean yeah no there's a lot to it to that first of all not thousands of games Reed. i don't think i'm quite up there well- hundreds <laughs> yes hundreds <laughs> for sure i would be into the hundreds uh but thousands i don't think i can like uh, claim to that yet but uh uh so quick story you know if you want a little background around on how I ended even throwing my hat in the ring this is this is a true story and I've told this since I've landed here when I came my very very first time ever coming to Tampa Bay I was working at TSN and I was Gord Miller was the number one you know voice and I was number two and uh, I was bouncing around with Gary Green remember Greener yep yep so I was working games with Gary Green and and we were bouncing around to different playoff series, and we got assigned to uh, one in the first round to come down here because we had no Canadian rights whatsoever. We just had all all American, you know, matchups, and and we'd even have full series back then. So we're just kind of bouncing it out. So I come down here and I do a game in 2003, and I remember it because I I looked it up based on you know recent events here to make sure I had all my facts straight. It was the year before they won their first Stanley Cup. Came down here did the game it was against the capitals it was a great game uh 2-1 uh and saint Louis scored late to, to win it and they went on to win that series but i remember being struck by how great the crowd was and the atmosphere and the place was packed we already knew this was an up-and-coming team but i'd never even been there before the rink's right downtown right in the middle of uh you know a cool vibe and we walked outside into the uh into the uh, you know warm Florida air and the, the, the plaza out in front of the rink, which they call Thunder Alley still to this day. It's packed with people. They're doing their television pre-game or, sorry, post-game show outside, and I'm looking around thinking, this is great. This is really cool. I had no idea, and I thought to myself, I think I, I'm positive I said it out loud to somebody, man, if Rick Peckham ever decides to retire, I got to look back into this one because it would be a really cool place to work. That was 17 years ago, and I never forgot it, and I always remember that whenever I came back down here as a visiting broadcaster, and sure enough, uh, Rick Peckham, uh, a legendary NHL broadcaster, four decades in the business, announced that he was leaving, and uh, um, oh, I threw my head in the ring, and uh, the process from there to answer your original question was, yes, I I guess, you know, I'd done enough games, certainly on a national level, and, and had been to a conference final at this point where there was enough out there where they could just kind of Google me and, 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 and find it out. But I, I did, to tell you the truth, I did put a reel together. Uh, I had some help from uh, one of our uh, associate producers that I used to uh, work with at Sportsnet, a guy named Mike Razzo, a good friend of mine. Mike uh, put together a great reel of, I gave him a couple of suggestions, many of which were Connor McDavid goals because <laughs> they did so many Oilers games um, and all that. But uh, so I did actually submit a reel, but um, I did, I heard that they flew down a whole bunch of guys and did auditions in a studio calling games off a monitor. Um, I didn't um, do that. I didn't have to do that or didn't get to that stage anyway. So I just had some Zoom interviews and uh, somehow, someway, I was the last man standing and here I am living in Tampa Bay now.
1: Awesome. Well, it's great to still be able to connect with you. Dave Randorf, joining us tonight on Inside Sports, as we've been talking about, called uh, plenty of Oilers games over the last few years. And now he's the play-by-play voice for the Tampa Bay Lightning, who uh, are looking good, but uh, I, I'm not going to say free and clear. Because, I mean, First of all, man, what a division. And just tell me a little bit about the Hurricanes and and their season and how the rest of this matchup you think might play out against the Lightning.
0: Well, before I get to the, the hurricanes, uh, you know, don't forget the Panthers. Uh, yeah. You're right. What a division! Uh, this is this was an under the radar division. I know everything was all about the North Division up there, and I get that. I was certainly paying attention myself. And and then you got the Eastern Division, which is full of all those big name teams, big market teams, and and this division kind of got overlooked. But just check the overall final standings in the regular season, and there's Carolina, Tampa Bay, and and. Florida, I don't think any other division bragged uh, to have that, you know, many top 10 teams all, you know, right at, I think they were all in the top eight, if I'm not mistaken. Carolina almost finished first overall. Uh, so it was a very under the radar, sneaky, good division, played at a very high pace. Most of the teams played at a very high pace. And, and I think when a lot of people looked at this division initially, they thought it was Tampa Bay and a bunch of other teams, you know. But it didn't turn out to be the case. Tampa Bay finished third. Uh, behind Carolina and Florida um, and it's funny you mentioned you know that I'd called a lot of Edmonton games I was thinking of all my nights uh, having the privilege to call a lot of Battle of Alberta nights and certainly when it started to mean something because this past few weeks here yeah you know, I got to call the very first ever sunshine they were calling it the sunshine state showdown first time ever they'd ever met the playoffs And in fact, Reed, it was so rare that these guys, these two teams had only been in the playoffs in the same year, three times. That was it until this year, the fourth. And they finally met head to head. And not only were they meeting head to head, but they were both elite teams. And I'm telling you right now, it was a physical, intense, high scoring, sometimes overly nasty series between them and the Panthers. It took the... As we all know, a rivalry really starts when you meet in the playoffs. And I think it's set the table for a great rivalry going forward. Game one of the series was one of the best games I've ever had the chance to broadcast and call. It it was it was unbelievable. It was really good. So it was a lot of fun. And then you carry on into the second round and and Carolina, you know, Tampa Bay jumps out to a two-nothing series lead. Carolina wins last night in overtime. Carolina is a sneaky good team as well. They they've got they don't have a whole lot of household names, but they do have uh, five or six very good players. And they got they're using two goalies now. They've moved on to Peter Morazic, but they are extremely well coached. If they were a basketball team, they would play the full court press, man to man defense. That's how they defend. They keep you down in your end, and they possess the puck. They've got some legit snipers in Martin Naitchis, Svechnikov, Aho, Tarvainen. And we all know about Dougie Hamilton. He can bring some offense. So this series is a long way from over here. And it, it, you're right. It's a it's a sneaky good division. And But, you know, I, I look at how Tampa is routing into form. And I knew I was going to talk to you, you know, this afternoon. I, I started thinking that there's a process to getting to where Tampa Bay is, where you're in the playoffs every year. You're competitive every year. Looks like you can win the cup again. You have to get, you know, kicked in the, you know what, and get knocked down a peg before you learn how to play this time of year. And Tampa Bay can now do that. They can score, but they can also play a tight. Well, the first two games they won were two, one scores. And they were, they only had 15 shots on net in game two that they won. They can play that low scoring patient defensive style. And where I'm going with this is, is that this is where the Oilers need to get to. And as painful as it is right now for Edmonton, Oilers fans, there's some lessons to be learned here to how to play and to get the right players to do it as well and uh, and obviously have a good good core which I think Edmonton does have so it's it's a process to get to this point i certainly hope edmonton gets to taste that sooner than later
1: I love how you tie that all together, Dave. This was awesome to catch up with you. I always enjoyed when well, we often didn't have a lot of time, but I always enjoyed having chats with you at the rink. And I, I do appreciate that you you uh, were and are a 630 Chad listener. <laughs> I am. Whenever you got time to sneak us in. So thanks for catching up today.
0: I still listen. I thought Cam Moon did an outstanding job. And of course, Jack and Bob and Rob. I've always really liked Rob and yourself too. So I'm a listener, man. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it, Reid.
1: Right on. That is Dave Randorf, play-by-play voice for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, that was fun to hear. Good to catch up with Dave. He's doing well with the Lightning, and they'll play the next game in their series tomorrow. That's actually an afternoon game, 2 p.m. Mountain Time. First period done in Winnipeg. No score. Canadians and Jets back in a couple of minutes. This little ditty is Tear It Down by Def Leppard from their 1992 album Adrenalize. Look it up on iTunes, kids. Or if you're not a kid, look through your tapes. You probably have it somewhere. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We have Jed Roberts coming up. Going to be fun to catch up with the former Great Cup champ who has uh, posted on social media as well about the new name for the football team, the Edmonton Elks. Uh, always entertaining to talk with Jed. I'm sure we'll go down a few different avenues when he checks in between 6.30 and 7.00. It, we'll do Name the Animal later on tonight. We better do it tonight because I'm off next week. Dave Campbell's going to host Inside Sports. Uh, always fun doing Name the Animal. And mm. we were telling Jalen and I that we have uh, a goat. The, uh, we now have an official Inside Sports goat that we're still in the process of naming. I, I was a little surprised. Jalen seems surprised that we have an official animal for our show. I, I mean, I thought every I thought every show had an animal. I mean, Oilers now has an ass. I'll just let that one linger news and weather coming up. Then Jed inside sports. All right. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Hope you have a great weekend planned. In the first minute of the second period, no score. Jets and Canadians, the Jets are on a power play, just went on a power play, so they'll try to draw first blood tonight. Avalanche and Golden Knights get going in about 90 minutes. Avalanche have not lost in the playoffs. They are 6-0. And baseball this evening, now on the top of the sixth, it's Houston leading the Toronto Blue Jays 3-0. Okay, I am uh, always thrilled to have this gentleman on the show. He often comes in and talks in studio but of course we haven't been able to do that for a while and he often talks about the Canadian Football League current season which we didn't have last year so it's been far too long since we've welcomed Jed Roberts onto Inside Sports. Hey Jed how are, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing really good man thanks for having me.
1: Yeah it's nice to talk to you how you been keeping busy buddy?
2: Oh man I'm just uh, you know keeping it simple we went to do, uh, Canmore I think a couple of weeks ago went on a big hike Um, just been, you know, keeping it simple, just, you know, doing the family thing and just like a lot of other people out there, you know, it's been a bit of a blessing in disguise, you know, kind of sort of like the acoustic version of life, I guess.
1: (laughs) You know what? That's not a bad attitude to have. It is the acoustic version of life. So there can still be some beauty to be found in it, even though it's a tough time, obviously. By the way, Tyler Toffoli has just scored for the Montreal Canadiens. A shorthanded goal. Montreal's been pretty good shorthanded this season, and he actually was on a two-on-three and pulled the puck into the middle and snapped it up high. So the Canadians go up one nothing there. Do you find yourself uh, watching a lot of the playoffs? Uh, did you watch the Oilers? What's your level of interest here in the hockey? Team? Yeah,
2: you know this is the first year, um, due to large part to the pandemic, I. I uh... I purchased the sports net um, subscription there and I, I watched every single Oilers game. It's the first time I've ever done that. So uh, it was really cool. You know, like I got to watch the team kind of grow and, and uh, you know, it was heartbreaking the way they lost, but I think they, they've definitely got something to build on. I'd argue they're for a lot further ahead this year than they were last year. You know, with the development of some of their younger defensemen and, you know, it's pretty exciting to see what's coming down the pike. It'll be interesting to see what the front office does in terms of, uh, who they who they end up letting go because of the expansion draft and who they go out and get you know they've got some money to play with so you know it's been that that's another reason why this whole thing was a was a blessing if if the pandemic hadn't come along i it's probably a good bet i probably wouldn't have taken the uh, time to do that so i'm uh I, i appreciate the sport a lot more now i understand a little bit better about like line combinations and chemistry and how important defense is and you know having a great goalie at the right time and so it's kind of fun to watch the playoffs now that i know a little bit more about the sport
1: okay so i want to get your perspective though because the oilers had a good regular season best points percentage since the late 80s and then they didn't even win a playoff game and that that hurts and you played a sport. Where you play sixteen, eighteen regular season games, and you don't even get a series. You could be one and done if you have a bad afternoon mm-hmm. or bad yeah. weather, or the other team has a hot running back or quarterback on that one day, and it could make a, a good season look bad. So, how, like, how how do you sort of weigh everything? You know, when something like I don't know if so, I don't know if you want to talk weather specific or something like that that happened oh, yeah. in, like in your exactly. career, I'll but talk- you kind of you don't you don't want to overreact to it, right?
2: No, I'm, I'm happy to talk about that all day long. And the playoffs are a completely different animal, you know. Um, well, for one thing, the officiating is different. You know, like they'll, they'll let a lot of stuff go in the playoffs that they probably wouldn't in the regular season. I think that if you look at Connor, um, a lot of stuff didn't get called that would have been called in the regular season. There was a lot of – I mean, you have to take your hat off to Winnipeg for how they game plan for Connor. I mean, they they clogged up the middle. They forced everything outside. um you know, they kept everybody, like, they put bodies on him, you know, they impeded them. they interfered with them as much as they could without getting it called, right? So, I mean, you can't really take anything away from Winnipeg. They did exactly what they had to do, you know. They don't have the talent to keep up with Connor, so they just clutch and grab him and slow him down, and that's how you be him, you frustrate him, you know. And, you know, the secondary scoring just wasn't there. You know, I thought that maybe they had the pieces, you know, maybe some of these other guys would start to step up, but they didn't, you know, and in a game like that, you you know, if you've got a hot goalie, which you know, I'd argue that that Smith played well enough to win. You know, um, they just didn't have the secondary scoring, and and Connor can't do them by himself. And they've been trying this for quite some time, and it's just been illustrated pretty uh, clearly that you've got to build some, you got to get some other extra pieces in there to take the weight off of him. You can't do it every night, but like I said, playoffs are completely different intensity. you got to everybody's got to come in there with that mindset that you got to fight for every puck and. You know, you could have a 0 0 game and lose in overtime. I think that's what broke their back, you know, when they lost 1 0. So it's, uh, it was fun to watch, though. You know what I mean? Even though they lost four or nothing, it was still, uh, I think it was worth it. It was it was quite the run. You know, it was, um, you know, it just came up against a better team, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd always sooner be in the tournament and <laughs> live with the disappointment and not get there at all. Jed Roberts joining us tonight. On uh, Inside Sports, of course, uh, played for uh, Edmonton for uh, a long time in the CFL. Won a great cup, and uh, pretty big news for the old team uh, during the week. And hey, I, I got to admit, Jed, I like I was nervous. I think like, I was pretty sure the name was going to be Elk or Elks. So I wasn't sure if yeah. they would have the S. I, I think that that was uh, a safe choice. And even the, you know, I, I know like Eclipse was on the list and Evergreens. I think those were a little too uh out there or non-traditional for people I, I i'm really impressed with the logo and the merchandise you have a different connection to the organization having played for it you've stayed in the city since you retired like how, how are you feeling
2: i feel pretty good about it i mean you know i i'm sensitive to the fact that there are a lot of uh traditionalists and purists and conservative uh you know pundits out there that you know pan that decision to to change the logo and i i get it um but I also see the other side of it, you know, Reed. Like, I went up to uh, the Northwest Territories in 1997, did a school tour of the uh, schools all across the Northwest Territories, started in Yellowknife, went out to Port Simpson, Norman Wells, Inubik, and Tuktyuktuk. To I took Gizmo and Willie Pless and Benny Goods with me. And, um, you know, I didn't really know what I was looking at that day, but I went up to uh, Inubik, and I just – I stumbled upon it. We were there when they had opened up the old residential school. Um, Aurora college had taken over it like a few months before. And they had a ceremony where they allowed some of the former residents to go in there with sledgehammers and go to town on it. And I wasn't really, I mean, I kind of knew about it because my dad talked about it because he worked with Indian affairs with Canada for years and, hearing about it and then seeing it are two different things, you know, and and I was watching these uh, former residents go through there with this, their sledgehammers and the emotion that day. It's not, it's something I've never forgotten, you know? And so I, you know, this is when I was still playing for the team. And, and, and when, when the, the issue of the name came up, I, I, I immediately thought back to that, you know, my own personal experience with it. Um, I know I talked to Jordan Tutu about it when I went up North with him and we did some, some appearances and, you know, his, his approach to it was similar to mine. I mean, i might, my, you know, how I feel about it might not be the same as somebody else feels about it, but I mean, I, that wasn't my personal experience. And when I saw some people that had that experience and, and people that were, inuit that we're having those strong emotional responses to having grown up that way and I know that that's not the experience that everybody had with it you know some people don't even know about residential school so it might be something that's a little bit strange to them but that's kind of where I was coming from so I see both sides of it and I think that you know what yeah it was time for a change and I like the new uh logo I mean a lot of people are panning it and saying it looks too much like Browning rifle or you know, Cabela's. And I'd argue that, you know what? The Winnipeg Blue Bombers logo looks like the Westinghouse logo from the 60s. And uh, <laughs> Saskatchewan's logo looks like the Safeway logo, you know, and the Mustang's logo. I mean, the Stampeders logo looks like the Ford Mustang logo. So, I mean, everybody's done it before. It's always, it's all been done. You know, there's nothing original, nothing new under the sun. And I, I think they did, they did the best they could with what they had to work with. Um, I actually think the merchandise looks pretty sharp. You know, nothing stays the same, and some people are saying, "Well, they don't have the EE logo. Why didn't they keep the EE logo?" Well, they did. They just can't. They're just bringing out the new stuff. They'll use the EE logo. It'll be just like they do with other teams, where they have four or five different uniform looks in one game. They'll have the new logo. In the next game, they might do a throwback with the EE logo. I mean, people just need to settle down, man. A lot of some people just like to see the world burn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I- uh, I like how you put that, and yeah, the EE logo is still around, and it is. And Chris, yeah. uh, they said throughout this, they said throughout this process that the EE, like Chris Preston said it on this very show that the EE logo might not be on the helmet, and it might not be the uh, the only one. But I, I think once we start playing games, that that people are going to get used to it, and uh, I, I, yeah. I think people are going to embrace it because really, it's about the football team, and it's about what happens on the field and the players. And we saw Trevor Harris putting on merch and all that stuff earlier. Uh Jed Roberts joining us on Inside Sports. Okay, so I'm going to to have some fun with you here because I I like your perspective and your stories, and you're usually very honest. Could have Jed Roberts, the player, when you're, whatever, 28, 25 years old, could have Jed Roberts, the player, made it through a canceled season like last year, or would have he gone nuts?
2: (laughs) Yeah, because uh, I always had a job. I was always working, you know, I was, okay. always, I, you know, it wasn't unusual for me to be working three jobs. So, you know, I always had a plan B. I was always, my dad kind of hammered that into me. I was lucky because my dad played for seven years in the CFL and he always made it very clear to me. You need to get out there and hustle, you know, work the community, get out there. You know, if you have to do some free gigs, do that because all the networking you do while you're playing will set you up for your career after it. And that's exactly what happened. So yeah, I, it wouldn't have been hard for me at all.
1: Would have been. Would have you been hard for you to train, or would have it have been so ingrained nope. in you? Mean, you I had, found
2: like time. I was always training as if I was going to get cut the next day anyway,
1: or as, you know, it's all <laughs> going to
2: be taken away. I never, I never for one minute did I ever take it for granted. I was never one of those guys that made enough that I could stay home and play uh, Nintendo, and you know what I mean. I was always hustling. I was always working. There was never any. Uh, there was never any complacency on my part, you know. I fought for everything I got. I nothing was handed to me, so I never never acted like it was entitled to it or anything like that. So, my dad made it, made sure I had that hammered into me. I wasn't one that was going to sit around and say, "Oh yeah, you're a season guaranteed." I never, until I stepped foot on the field for the first game, I never took anything for granted. And even then, I I didn't know if I was going to make it through the next play. So, you just had to play like your hair's on fire and let the rest take the rest take care of itself.
1: <laughs> you're, you're just full of t-shirt slogans tonight play like your hair's on fire that's train, why you bring train, me on man. train like you're gonna get cut the next day yeah these are beautiful i'm writing all these down these, these are you should do a book of jed's wisdom actually you should if anybody should actually honestly jed if you if anybody should write a book it should be you because you you have all the stories about uh, yeah. dealing with the uh, hearing impairment and playing yeah. professional sports, and you've you've honestly, you know, you've told us very honest stories about that. And yep. then, and then, as as long as you played and as respected and as popular a player you were, like you were never the star player, like you were never the no, the name no, above I'm the title, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I got something cool to tell you. You, um, I have a painting in my house, and it's a painting of my dad from his playing days. And I just found out today that the painting was done by Tex Coulter. Do you know who that is?
1: No, who is that?
2: Okay, well, he played for the uh, New York Giants, and then he played for the Montreal Alouettes. And he would have been uh, before my dad's time. But he he went on to become a painter, and he painted a lot of He's considered like the, quote, Norman Rockwell of the NHL, unquote, painting. So he, if you look his stuff up, his name is DeWitt Tex Coulter. And he, uh, his claim to fame is that he grew up in the Masonic Lodge home in Fort Worth, Texas. And if you've ever read the book uh, 12 Mighty Mites, um, the movie about that team is being released on June, on June 10th. I think it's next week, uh, starring uh, Luke Wilson, Martin Sheen, and uh, Robert Duvall. And um, it's a true story about 12 kids. They were orphans, and they beat everybody in Texas for the state of uh, Texas football championship. And there was a lot of innovations that came out of that team, like the run and shoot, the forward pass. They were doing that stuff in the 30s, in the 40s.
1: So I just looked cool. this guy. Okay, unfortunately, he passed away. Uh, yeah,
2: he, um, Tex, Tex died in 2008 or 2007, just before my dad did but um, in the uh, late 60s and early 70s, he did some CFL paintings. He did Russ Jackson, Peter Dalariva. Riva. Uh, I think he did Wayne Harris in Calgary, and then he did one of my dad, and I'm not exactly sure why he painted my dad. I think him and, him and my dad must have gotten to gear together for some beers or something. He thought my dad was funny, so he figured he'd paint him. But. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, is it, so is it like an action shot? Is it your dad having no, beer? With
2: him it? Uh, kneeling with his hand on the ball. It's actually pretty cool. Um, I have it hanging. I've had it for years, and I just found yeah. out today that this guy painted it, and it's actually relatively famous. So I'm glad I held on to it. My ex-wife wanted me to get rid of it. And my mom hated it and gave it to me. So I'm glad I held on to it. Now,
1: how big is it? it? Might be a how
2: bit of an heirloom. So
1: how big is it?
2: Ah, uh, it's about. 18 by 24, maybe. Pretty big.
1: Okay. Yeah, pretty big. That's, that's That's amazing. So you got you got a painting of your father. But wait, yeah. wasn't your dad on Ottawa and Tex was on Yeah, Montreal? he played for the
2: Ottawa Rough Riders. Yeah, if you go online, you look up Tex Coulter, you'll see his painting. Uh, mostly hockey. Uh, and the guy was an interesting character. You know, he uh, would have probably, they say, if he just stayed in the NFL, probably would have made the Hall of Fame there. He was the best lineman in the league. And uh, then he quit to be a newspaper guy in Tech in Dallas, and then he moved to Montreal to paint. And then they convinced him to play football up there. So he finished his career with the Alouette. He played on the three in a row Montreal teams to lose to Edmonton, um, and he was a star 55, lineman.
1: 56. Okay. Yeah. What's What's yeah. the movie called? It's called uh,
2: Twelve Mighty Mites.
1: Twelve. Okay, I'm gonna write this down. And you saying it's just being? It's gonna be streamed next week. It's not in theaters.
2: I think so. Theaters, stream. So it's it's it, there's a really cool trailer about it online. If you look for it, uh,
1: here it is. Twelve Mighty. Something came up called Twelve Mighty Orphans.
2: Twelve Let's Mighty see.
1: Mites. Well, here, okay. The book, the the full name for the book is called Twelve Mighty Orphans: The Inspiring Twelve Story Orphans, of yeah. the Mighty Mites Gantt. Who Ruled Texas yeah. Football. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Limited release on June 11th. Luke Wilson, Wayne Knight. Uh, yeah, Robert Duvall, like you said, Martin Sheen, and then, uh, yeah, Sony Pictures, June 18th. Yeah,
2: The last time and Duvall and, and there we uh, go. Sheen were in a movie together was Apocalypse Now.
1: So, oh, my God. That's kind <laughs> of cool, hey? This, like, was this, what, uh, 40, was Apocalypse Now 1979, I want to say? 42 yeah. years yeah. later? That is amazing. Okay. So, anyway, the right. guy that
2: painted my dad um, is being played in this movie, apparently. So, that's kind of
1: cool uh being played by who's playing him doesn't say i don't him. know
2: i didn't even get a chance to look at the cast uh who's playing who so
1: all right okay well this okay so there everybody has a movie recommendation so to, here's what jed roberts brings you he brings you words of wisdom play like your hair is on fire train like you're going to be cut tomorrow and cinema recommendations. recommendations yeah so <laughs> you just continue to expand yet this this is awesome buddy hey, yeah hey Hopefully uh, we're seeing each other soon uh, somewhere <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll of course keep having you on the show. Cause you know, we love chatting, man. Thanks for popping. Oh, I'll, on be, I'll,
2: I'll keep coming back as long as you have me. Thanks for having me, Reed. I had a lot of fun.
1: There we go. That is Jed Roberts, former linebacker and defensive end 1993 great cup champion and uh, all around good guy. Does a lot of great work in the community. And they've they had so many great lines in that interview. What did he say? The, uh, going through the pandemic, it's like the acoustic version of life. That's that's a good way to look at it. A lot of times it's just about your attitude and how you look at it. What did I say earlier this week that somebody told me once that the human brain is wired for negativity? I, I think Jed Roberts uh, is, is wired for perseverance and positivity. Love having him on the show. Still one nothing for the Canadians. Nine minutes left in the second period. Habs are on the power play. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. <laughs> Okay, so Jed Roberts just told us a story about having a painting of his dad that was painted by a fellow CFL player back in the day, which led us to talking about a movie coming out called 12 Mighty Orphans. Anyway, uh, pretty interesting stuff. Ben from Rimby texting in, 7804960063. He says, Who is the Bob Ross of the NHL? <laughs> that. That that is a good question. I would like to know how many NHL players uh, can competently paint, not a wall or a basement or a garage, paint a paint. There's got to be guys in the NHL that have artistic ability and perhaps use it every once in a while. The best painter I know personally is my dad. My dad's gone in uh, Art Walk the last several years, not last year because they didn't have one. But uh, I got a lot of my dad's paintings around the house for sure. Speaking of art, let's do this. It's Friday night for an off-topic topic. Well, I guess it's an on-topic topic with uh, the Elks putting out the, the new logo. You can write in seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Your favorite logo in, let's say, North American sports. So let's keep it to Canada and the United States. Who? What team do you think has the best logo in uh, in North American sports? We'll do an informal poll and see what we come up with. As we roll into the weekend, Dave Campbell is coming up to talk a little bit about the Elks. We'll keep you updated on the Habs and the Jets. Still one, nothing for Montreal all coming up.
2: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad.